Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Bleeding Claret and Cobalt, Trey Fitzgerald, Ryan Hale, and special guest today, RSL Voice, David DJ James, as you know him on Twitter. Obviously, you know him at KUTV, KSL Sports Zone. And I still think of it as 1280 The Zone. On 97.5. 97.5. Thank you. That's the most we'll important edit out thing. That other. That's the most important thing. 97.5 FM. RSL coming off a massive one nothing win at LAFC. Was this the biggest regular season victory in recent memory? We'll get into that. And much, much more looking ahead to Fan Appreciation Night at America First Field this weekend. It's a red out. It will be a sellout. So arrive early, wear red, be loud, and get ready for the 2023 Audi MLS Cup playoffs. We'll have all that and much, much more coming up next. Bleeding Claret and Cobalt brought to you by One Wire Fiber. Hey guys, just a big shout out to our friend Adam Sessions and One Wire Fiber. We would not be able to bring you Bleeding Claret and Cobalt every week, every month without their great support. So you wouldn't want all your RSL news information coming from some distant out-of-state people that don't care about this community. So why would you rely on your voice, video, text for business coming from one of these big companies that literally don't care about you. If you don't own a business, but your friends do, your family does, you got to reach out to these guys because the level of customer service, of support, attention to detail from One Wire Fiber is immense. And we all know how fast the world is moving these days. If our phones, our computers, if our connectivity is not functioning properly, you just feel completely stuck in the water. And Adam and One Wire Fiber, they will figure it all out for you so you don't have to. The number one, W-I-R-E dot C-O, One Wire Fiber, they will take care of you. They care about this community. They care about this club. And they care about you. All right, DJ. I know you were enjoying some much needed and well-deserved personal time this weekend. But when that alert pops up on your phone that Chicho Arango scores at LAFC, doesn't celebrate, we'll get into that, and RSL walks out of BMO Stadium with a one nothing win, a place where they hadn't won since Demir Krylock's karate kick in October 2020, or 2018, I should say. Um, what kind of went through your mind? What emotions? How does when you look at the table and RSL has the second place tiebreaker over Seattle? What are all those emotions and and knowledge? How do they come together in your mind in in, the, in this weekend? So the first thing I thought was I was so close to getting it right, but I got it wrong. I thought it was going to be a good performance. I thought it was going to be a good result. It turned out to be a great performance and a great result, so I missed. I expected RSL and LAFC to split the points. That was really my expectation going into the game. And I'm, as everybody who's followed me knows, I love myself some good numbers, some good stats, some good trends. Yeah. And some things play out over time, and you'll have outrageous things happen in the short run. But in the long run, players are who they are, teams are who they are, and the sport is what it is. These two teams, as you well know, have never played to a draw. And I thought the way this game set up, 
that RSL was coming out of a slump. The longer you follow Major League Soccer, the more you can feel teams descending into them and the more you can feel teams coming out of them. There are a few handful of reasons that they happen. Um, no one can sprint through an entire season, win the Supporters' Shield, and win the MLS Cup. Nobody does that. The teams that have the highest point totals in MLS history tend to get beat in the playoffs. <laughs> so you don't think St. Louis and Cincinnati are winning MLS Cup this year? Uh, I can't rule it out, but I think It would be a, quite the achievement. I, I, what I do rule out is I do not expect St. Louis, Louis and Cincinnati to play in the MLS Cup right. final. Okay. There will be an upset along the way. Um, there have been Supporters' Shield championship doubles before. Uh, but there Only been, five. I was about to say, but there haven't been a lot of them, right? So basically you're saying 80% of the time it doesn't happen and 20% it does. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you got to play well on that day. You have to play well on that day. Now, as the playoffs get longer, that day, you know, you have to be good in the conference final. You have mm -hmm. to be good in the in the in the. What do they call them? I don't know how to refer to this. Is it like wild card, first round, second round? Is it first round, second wild round, card, third? first round, conference semi, yeah. conference final? It's awkward. I don't like conference semi as a thing. Yeah. Every sport yeah. I'm used to has. Whatever the championship is, right? Yeah. NBA Finals, World Series, Super Bowl, MLS Cup. That's it. And the everybody's got conference finals. Mm -hmm. The conference semifinal, I usually think of it as the second round. The NFL gives it sure. wild card divisional. Yeah. You know, I, I can yeah. live with that. I, I can live with that. But I don't want to dress something up to be more than it is. When you're in the final four in any sport, it feels like an accomplishment. So what happened in the second half against Vancouver that gave you confidence this I just think week? the team's been trending up as far as – the number, not necessarily the number of goals they give up, but the number of times that they're defending numbers down, the number of sloppy giveaways, the responses to that, the number of times they feel dangerous, and also just body language. Like the losses had gone on long enough, guys were just sick and tired of it. And it was time to get a win. I also thought going to LA, LA was playing midweek. And I didn't. I don't follow LAFC close enough to know what level of importance they were putting on the Campeones Cup. But I don't think, given LA's demographics and fan base, and there's just so many people in Southern California who follow that league, who follow Liga MX, yeah. and who follow MLS. Even if you don't put out your best eleven and you don't treat it like it's the biggest thing in the eighth minute when the fans are going nuts. You're going to play like it's the biggest thing, sure. you know the energy. So there's no, very they put a lot into it. They're I, they were tired. They were on fumes, and I thought they would be. And they played more of their right. first choice guys against us I, than I expected. I checked the. I went as soon as the line. I was yeah. checking the lineups on Wednesday to say, okay, how what's their lineup looking like? Yeah, okay, that's that's a pretty good lineup. They're a really deep team, so they always, no matter which eleven put out there. They've got good players who aren't the starting eleven. Yeah, They're and they have another. That, that they deep. have another midweek this week. Yeah, we'll talk about them in Minnesota when we get into all the their form playoff hasn't, scenarios. Their form hasn't been great, um, and I didn't know what changes Pablo was going to make, but I he did say we're looking at what we've been doing isn't working. We're looking at tactically approaching this game differently. You're going to throw them a curve. They're going to be tired. You're rested midweek. There's a certain amount of the team was really – you could see it when they lost there in the League's Cup. The team was really pissed. They're just tired of going down there and getting their ass kicked. Yeah. I just thought there are just so many storylines. None of them by themselves meant it was going to be great. But all of them together, I just felt like they're not going to go down there and lay another egg and get beat 3-0 again. This isn't going to happen. And, you know, LAFC had played midweek and RSL – was coming off a good performance. And RSL has had enough of going down there and getting drilled. And LA's form isn't great. Mm -hmm. 
they are struggling to score goals right now. And Pablo's going to tweak the tactics like most coaches. Well, actually, he is more forthcoming with the media than most coaches. Right. But even he doesn't want to give up the farm, and we all get that. Sure. Um, so I just thought and, – and because they never, ever drawn, and they now yeah. played – what was it, 12? Was this game 13? This was 15. 15 overall. If you include League's Cup and playoff. Right. 13, 13 in the regular, regular season, season. 15 yep. all time. And you've never had a draw? Yeah. Come on. It's time. Yeah. You're going to have one. Sure. And maybe they'll meet in the playoffs and have so one and we'll end up in penalties. When we checked into our team hotel on yeah. Saturday, I was given the key for room 333. <laughs> and Trey means three. Three points? And three points. So I'm like, you, holy. Were you thinking three goals? Uh, yeah, I'm like, holy crap, this is a good omen. I was not thinking three goals. That would have been Outrageous. unnecessarily greedy by me. Which whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, often I, I go there. A, if I had a dollar for every time I asked you before a game, what yeah. do you think is going to happen? 3 1. RSL is going to win 3 1 or 3 0. Yes. Yes. That's what you always say. I, I would not have said that. Because on the road at LAFC, they're yeah. so good. I mean, look, yeah. I, but I had a good feeling. Like, even yeah. before that, I was like, okay, then, trainings had been really intense all week. Now we've seen that in the past, and the we go, out, we go out and lay a yeah. dud, you know, lay an egg. Um, but lay a dud—that's a new expression. Yeah, lay an <laughs> egg, whatever. Um, I don't know. I just felt good, and obviously, like I spent a lot of time on Twitter. And the first half against LAFC, man, our fans were angry. They thought we were playing super poorly, and yes. LAFC had 75% of possession, but that was by design. Yep. And and look, I you know, Pablo didn't tell me on the plane, hey, we're gonna do this and we're gonna sit back and let them have the ball. But as I'm watching the game, I'm like, okay, this is sort of ingenious, right? Because we very clearly had two back two banks of four. You had Chicho and Sava back pressing and running a lot to put in a little extra pressure of the ball. There were big parts of that. And, and this is one thing I do love. I mean, BMO Stadium is awesome. The atmosphere, the 3252, but the press box is like in the corner at an angle, but you've got this beautiful view of the field. And for long stretches, like all 20 field players are literally in the middle third of that field. And yes, LAFC had the majority of the possession, but... Even the Bowanga free kick that Zach had to make one of his, I think, seven saves on, that felt to me like that was the most dangerous chance, and it wasn't even that dangerous. So, yes, especially in the second half, there were a few that, you know, Zach had to tip over the bar, but like, right again, those didn't feel super threatening. And I don't know, just as the game went on, it was like, okay, we're clearly committed to be impossible to break down. We're wearing an already tired team down further. And then you get a moment of brilliance from Rubio Rubin. Somehow Chicho has all the space in the world back post between two center backs. And obviously, like his eyes were almost painful in not celebrating. But, you know, he has a lot of respect for his history there, the fans there. He talked in English about it post game, like it was out of respect that I didn't celebrate, but this is my team in Salt Lake and I want to celebrate our collective victory. It was just, it was just a different vibe. And now you're suddenly in second place. You've got 13 wins as the tiebreaker over Seattle that also has 46 points. And yes, we'll be scoreboard watching tomorrow. Probably won't still be in second when we host Kansas city this weekend, but You've got Kansas City, then you go to Galaxy, 
Um, you go to the Rapids. There's a very good chance we're a two or a three seed, certainly a top four seed, I would hope, uh, going into the playoffs. And then you have some home field advantage. The guys we talked to today, they all want to get that big win against Kansas City and, and try to have some home momentum going into the playoffs. Um, and no more midweeks, which is maybe, it's just going to be a different rhythm the rest of the way. Maybe one, right? First round of the playoffs, that best of three. Are they going to spread that out over it's three Saturday, weeks? Saturday, Saturday, Saturday. Oh, it is. I and then there's the a FIFA okay. break. And then you come back Saturday of Thanksgiving, Saturday, December 2nd. MLS Cup is Saturday the 9th. Apple might move some of the games to Sunday, but they're all weekend. So unless we fall into the 8-9 wild card, we're not playing again on a Wednesday or Thursday, which I think is great. Um, I guess my big question for you is, do you feel like this team – has figured out how to play without Pablo Ruiz. Yes. No one does it like Pablo. No one can. That guy's going to peg more 50-yard balls than anybody else. But we're seeing more players hit big switches. We're seeing more players skip a player uh, when they're switching sides and hit a 30-yard ball, even if they're not willing to hit a 50-yard ball. I think the ball is moving better. I think for a while without him, it was painful. It was... uh, it was like watching the uh, the football team that can't – well, it's like watching the Broncos, to be honest with you. <laughs> it's like the football team that can't get the 25- or 50-yard play and they have to go down the field four and five yards at a time and make no mistakes. Uh, the baseball team that can only hit singles and can't even go from first to third on a single and has got to get four base runners to score a run. It was just so slow. And it seems like that has changed. Rubio Rabin. Good combination play. He's playing in a tight space along the sideline, but he picks up his head – and there was before the ball got to him, he knew Mario is shut off for a minute. You know, I think Mario, you know, when you go back to LA, he's got like a lot of good players, you know. But for a minute, if you just lose track of a guy, the number of times Dunny has grabbed me during a broadcast as a former center back, and you got to be touch tight. And when he says that, he will either hit my shoulder or grab it and move me. And so, Certain things are just baked into my brain. And when I saw that, I'm like, Mario cannot reach out and touch him. He is not touched tight. That is a mistake. <laughs> he knows. He's known for years. But in this moment, he's shut off. And Rubio Rubin recognizes it. And that pass, I was talking with Elliot Fall about this, trying to estimate, that had to be a 40-yard ball. Now, Elliot's like, no, it's 50. It's as wide as that field was and because it's all the way. Yeah, I mean, it's all the way. Far post. Yeah. It's to the far post, maybe a little beyond the far post. It had some big swerve on it too. It did have a big and and Rubio Rubin was like two steps off the sideline, and he was twenty five yards from the flag. Nice the ball little one two with Ojeda to create th- that space. So your eyes are often down, and you're not looking up. But he's like focused. He's good in the build up. There were there wasn't a lot of space, but they used it well, maintained possession, and at the same time he's got his eyes up, and he sees the defenders disconnected. And he knows exactly where, as Pablo uh, Mastroni just told us, he knows exactly where he would want the ball. So he knows where Chicho wants the ball, and he puts it on a dime. And again, a 50-yard ball. And Pablo Mastroni, man, the number of times in these media situations, whether it's talking to him on the radio, on the zone, or whether it's talking to him after practice or these calls that you line up with the – with the TV broadcasters, the Apple broadcasters, who in some cases see the team a lot, but in some cases they get assigned Eastern games week after week, right. and all of a sudden they've got one it's very haphazard. Yeah, and so background, and Pablo's always talking about eyes up, big switches, organized. I mean, he hits these same themes over and over. You know, the message is 
so consistent. And I just think we saw that in LA. We saw it the game before LA. They're getting they're getting back to it. It was Brody's first game back after kind of sitting and watching for most of the three games that we had last week. He needed it because he was spent. Yeah, he's played the second most minutes uh, yeah. behind Glad. And the difference is his position demands a lot more. Glad's <laughs> position demands a lot of 20, 30, 40-yard sprints. Mm-hmm. Brody's demands a lot of 60, 70, 80-yard yeah. sprints. And back. And back, <laughs> one after another. Right. right. Yeah, he's more likely to have two or three in I a row than the Justin most surprising is. Individual for me has probably been the amount of minutes that Brian Oviedo has played mm-hmm. the last four games in a row. Um, all starts. I think he played the full 90 and two, came out in the third against Vancouver. And I don't have the LAFC off the top of my head if he, I think he went the full 90 actually. Um, it's, it almost makes me wonder if he wasn't healthy earlier in the year because he's been so remarkably solid and he's making the same runs that Brody makes just over on the air side. He's a little older than Brody, but this guy was playing in a world cup a year ago right now. So he had one bad game, right? Sure. And got the, you know, it was a league's cup. It was uh help me. Who was it? They played him behind him multiple times. Was it Monterey? Monterey yeah, yeah, it was Monterey. And so he had a bad game and he had a bad game against one of the best teams and, you know, the fan base was really disappointed. That was the first time they'd been beaten like that in at least three, maybe four months. Um, so it was a little shocking to see. Um, but to your point, he's a veteran. He's been through this a million times. It's not the first time he's had a bad game. He knows how to bounce back from them. I think that's really probably the biggest difference in Justin Glad now versus three, four, five years ago. Certainly six, eight, ten years ago. Um if you have a bad game, can you bounce back? If you have three bad games, can you pull pull yourself out of it, or does it just wreck you? Um, so he pulled himself out of it. Pablo has routinely said with both Oviedo, Vera, well, not both because it's three, sorry, uh, and also Ruiz, the left-footed players on the left yeah. side of the field open up the field. The right-footed players don't want to have the bad giveaway. They're going to turn and play backwards. An outside back who's right-footed is going to play it back to the center back. Sure. The center back who's right-footed yep. playing on the left side like Marcelo Silva is going to play it back to the goalkeeper. So when you put somebody on the left side and they're right-footed, uh, Aaron Herrera, mm. I think, at DC United had a nightmare of a game. Gave away a ball a couple times, gave up a couple goals. But you're asking a young player who at that point was inexperienced to play on the left side and be right-footed, it's a problem. And if you can get three left-footed players and open up the left side of the mm-hmm. field, like Pablo says, it, it makes the field 20 yards wider. Let's switch, because I like where you're going. Obviously, it's been since August 8th at LAFC when Ruiz got hurt in the mm-hmm. ninth minute of that game. It seems like we have settled now on a midfield pivot pairing of Ojeda and Palacio. And Palacio. Yeah. Ojeda, look, I've been in love with this guy for a year. Like He's just been immense. His playoff game at Austin last year, he was everywhere. Um, I think I had speculated here and in other avenues that the Ruiz absence, and whether it's Palacio or Jasper, and I think even one game we had um, Emeka Anelli next to him, that maybe those guys do his defensive job for you know part of that partnership, allowing him to be a little more attacking oriented. And I feel like just this past week against LAFC, we saw him being very comfortable going forward, even though that wasn't maybe the team t- 
tactic, especially for the first 30 or 40 minutes of that game. But, man, I don't know that he missed a pass. Obviously, he did because he didn't have 100% passing. But I'd have to go look at the numbers. But he looked really comfortable. And, again, it culminates in that little one-two with Rubio that sets up Chicho's goal. Um, also, Palacio seems like he's adjusting a little bit more, a little bit more quality each week speed of play in MLS, and also being in maybe a slightly different position because we were told in Colombia he was just a, a six, classic six destroyer, but it's a much slower game down there. It's a little less uh, technical, or sorry, more technical, less physical, and less uh, fast. So I don't know, just your assessment of that growing, budding partnership. He looks way more comfortable than he did. Hopefully he will continue to improve and he hasn't maxed out. I think there's always, um, aside from the physical part, there's the whole, um, who am I supposed to be? And you're a young yeah. player and you try to come in and play the way that guy did. Well, you can't be that guy. Bring your strengths. And I do think, and I was talking with Justin Glad and he was just smiling and nodding, that everybody could anticipate what Pablo Ruiz was going to do before they've done it because they played so many games with him and they've had so many training sessions. And so it's not yeah. just... This guy can't do that, and this guy made that mistake that the other guy wouldn't have made. That's true. There is that. But on top of it, even when things are going well, nobody knows when it's going to go well, and nobody knows what's going to come next. They're not really sure. Whereas with Ruiz, you just know what he's going to do. Oh, I see that space. He's going to put it on his right foot, and he's going to create, a little, and he's going to bring it back on his left foot, and then he's going to try to ping a 40-yard ball. And you just know. You know what runs people are going to make. You know when they're going to go forward. You know when they're not. And now you're guessing. And if you're guessing, you might guess wrong. And so Hayda is like, uh, I think he's going to go forward, so I should sit. And now they both sit, and it's more static than it should be. And it's easier to defend. And it's also the guys behind him. Am I going to have a problem here? Do I need to be ready? Because is that guy going forward? If he goes forward, is someone else going to fill in? Are we going to be numbers down? Are we going to? And now Justin knows. He's seen more reps. He's got a better feel for how these guys are going to play in front of him. And not just reacting to what they're doing, but be able to anticipate what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And when you anticipate, it makes everybody look quicker. Sure. It makes everybody look more athletic. Plus, everybody's better on the ball when they're confident. Yeah. So I no, think they've got all those things. The confidence is back. It's still, um, it's still amazing to me when you think about – it was 10 games between the two LAFCs. So mm -hmm. August 8th, Leagues Cup, October 1, MLS – RSL has only won three of those 10 games, but here we are in second place. Mm -hmm. Only St. Louis has more wins. We'll do some scoreboard watching tomorrow night as we've talked about, but basically like we control our destiny, which is a bit of a foreign feeling after, <laughs> after the last couple of years where you're literally last couple you're you, 2008, well, 2009, most of the last decade, right? It's, yeah. it's decision day and maybe you need help. Maybe Watching you don't. scores and right. Yeah. But, um, just looking at the Wednesday slate, right? Like Houston is at Montreal. Dallas is home against Colorado. LAFC, Minnesota in LA is probably the big game for us to keep an eye on. Seattle hosts the galaxy. Vancouver goes to, sorry, hosts St. Louis. So, um, a lot of Western teams, like we're going to obviously, I guess, just cheer for West draws, but if Minnesota fails to win, we're clinched officially. Like right now it's 99.99. So Minnesota draws great. Yeah. It's a no. great result. Yeah. And it keeps it keeps you know LAFC right there with us. Uh, we would 
we would still be ahead of them on the win tiebreaker. Our game in hand on the pack is really going to be the October 14th trip to the Galaxy, where we will be missing some players due to international duty, presumably Savarino, Ojeda, Rubin, and Kevin Lambert will be representing their four countries during that FIFA break, and and we can't really keep them. Only they can like tell the coach, hey, I want to do will, this. Will they? I don't know. I doubt it. Um, you know, it's yeah, a World Cup it, qualifier for Savarino and Ojeda. Paraguay has a new coach, so maybe he actually gets used on in this FIFA break. That was what I was going to say. Can you have the conversation with, are you going to use him? Because if he's not going to yeah, play, and, can and you? I'm sure Pablo and Elliot will have those, and Kurt Schmid will have yeah. those conversations. But for all intents and purposes, I think we should expect to not have those guys. But this team's been so deep all year. Like, 29 okay. guys have been used. LA might be, Galaxy might be eliminated by that game. And Pooch might not be playing. He may not, he may still be hurt. Um, and he clearly if makes that tick. There's, if, he's, if they're yeah. eliminated, there's no reason for Yeah, he's for probably him. not going to risk it. Then uh, why? So... I don't know. I'm letting my mind go way forward, right? Where we control our destiny. We get the final nine points that are available in the season. We finish at the second seed. We're probably playing Portland maybe in the first round of the playoffs. Maybe San Jose. Portland, San Jose only have two games left um, Saturday and then decision day. So I don't know. I feel like things are setting up really nicely. And again, talk about foreign and uncomfortable feelings. (laughs) It's like, okay, can we handle success? Because historically as a club, we've always had massive success when expectations were low, i.e. Sunday, and, and and when we haven't been the favorite. And and we used to talk about this back when Jason Christ was the coach. He didn't know how to coach a favorite. He knew how to coach an underdog. 2013 was probably the team that had the most talent, had the highest expectations, and came the closest to meeting those expectations. Mm. That's probably, and it didn't quite all come together because obviously they lost on penalties in Kansas City. But that's probably the closest. Um, this is a new era, new people in charge, new players. So I don't know that we can draw on that that much. Certainly it's all on the table. And you're right about that second game at the Galaxy. It could be down a lot of people. But if I, you earlier you're talking about what's the best win of the year at LAFC. It's hard to argue with that. But if I had to say what are the two most important wins of the year, what would you say? You would say LAFC is one of them. What would you say is the other one? Because I don't believe for a second. I know what I would say, and I don't think you're going to say it. And all the listeners think, what is the second, one of the top two wins of the year? You don't even have to rank them. Top two. Then we all agree LAFC, that was a huge result, plus we have recency bias. So we'll go with it. But what what else would you put on the top shelf? Road game at St. Louis. That's not what I would pick, although that was a quality win. That was a big win. Again, it was very unexpected. I'm going to pick one. I'm going to be the only one, and a bunch of people are going to say, bleep, no. Give me one more second. Sure. Um, You're not going to pick it. It doesn't matter. I'll give you another minute. Everyone, hum a, your favorite uh, TV game show theme song. Well, bum, 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 bum. I mean, bum, 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 you bum. could make the argument that the home game against Charlotte was a massive it win. It was. Really needed Because that. we were down yep. one nothing, I believe, in the second half. But it's not what I would pick. And we came back. We scored three goals in 10 minutes. And that yep. reversed a four-game losing yep. streak. Big win. That put us on the – that you've might identified, have saved some people's jobs. You've identified two big wins, and okay. a lot of people listening to this agree with you, but it's okay. not what I would pick. What would you pick? Winning at Las Vegas in the first Open Cup game. Okay, fair. And I think that two things have really defined this season, 
and it will one of them will be important again with the galaxy. And one thing is um, the depth of this team and the number of players who have contributed. Not only was that a second choice eleven that night, Demir playing at a time that he wasn't even playing. Had he been hurt? Uh, was it just he performance? Had been hurt. Yeah, and yeah. like, and, and he, he scores, scores twice. Yeah. Oh my gosh, huge goal! Danny Masovsky and Danny Masovsky between Berton Jacquesson, uh had an assist on a corner. Yep. right. And so there was so that was a second choice lineup all the way. I think maybe Glad played an hour in that game, uh, but there were so there was Glad so, played the full one twenty. Oh, game. he did play the full yeah. one twenty. Um, there were so many guys who don't normally contribute. So many guys who would contribute. I mean, Delens Pierre started and played a hundred minutes. If RSL doesn't win that game, then the subsequent run with all the midweek games doesn't happen. Sure. You don't win at Colorado with a second choice lineup and no Savarino. You don't win at Portland in a wild game you don't that use... started with a disaster yeah. and yet turned yeah. into this uplifting game. Yeah, Michael game. Chang Brace in that game. Right. But to your point, you don't you don't have those opportunities have to those engage games. the whole group. And that impacts yep. six, eight, 10, 12 players sure. to one. Six of players a lot, yep. probably 12 players to a, still sure. to a large degree. Well, Emeka Anelli played four positions in that Las Vegas game. And then subsequently, he's played multiple positions yeah. going forward. Uh, he had 10 starts in a 15 and game some span. Some of those guys will be involved in that Galaxy game if everybody goes on international duty. And a lot of the points, a lot of the results, the way this season is defined, I think in the coaches' minds, in the players' minds, in the fans' minds, all those results in April, May, June, July. And also there was an attitude of what is happening now is so crazy. There are so many midweek games because of League's Cup pushing more games yes. in and because of a deep Before open and cup after. Run, Right. Yep. That there's no time to worry about any of the big picture. We're less than 72 hours to the next game. We just got to get ready and try to get through that game. And when you're – there's a thing in sports, doesn't matter what sport you play, that when you're sick, you play your best games. Because the anxiety about it have to be perfect. I can't be perfect. I'm nauseous. I've got a fever. You know, I got diarrhea. I got, you know, whatever going on. I'm dying here. I got to get through this. <laughs> you just focus on the next thing. You don't have the anxiety about being perfect for two hours. You don't worry about what's 45 minutes down the road. It's like this next possession, I got to be good. And when you play that way, you get the best results. And that's why people, there's something weird about being sick. Yeah, I'll tell you exactly what it is. You stop focusing on all the other mm. stuff. The only thing you can focus on is like what's happening right now. You can't fix what happened 30 seconds ago. And whatever you might do in 30 seconds is brilliant. You can't do it now. You've just got to be good in this moment. And that is what RSL has to carry through. Because in big picture, if they just win, they win MLS Cup. Just win. You just have to be good for nine or ten games now, and you get to hold the cup up. And there's so, I mean, RSL's saying that, but LAFC's saying it, Seattle's saying it, uh, it, St. Louis is saying it, Cincinnati. In that vein, is it frustrating for you when you are talking to coaches and players and they don't want to look past nah. the next 90 minutes? Nah, almost nothing frustrates me now. Well, that. yeah, you're it a jaded old soul. I, I totally it. agree. I, told, I get why they're the way they are. What I loved is earlier this year, and he doesn't do it often, but earlier this year, Pablo is like, it's true, but it's not how players think. Players are worried about the next game. They want to play the next mm. game. They want to start the next game. They want to score the next goal. Yeah. They want to get the next assist. He said, they just can't. And he says, I know. He says, now, yeah, I'm in my 40s. Now I see it. But I know, I know 24-year-old me didn't see that. And so 
because he was such an accomplished player, I mean, I think most people know he played in two World Cups, but if you don't know, he played in two World Cups. Not just on the roster, but he played he in two World Cups. In right. different positions. Yeah. yeah. And so, and he remembers how he thought then. And so he's able to... Well, so you know I, what I he really remembers is all the dumb things coaches said to him. <laughs> he, he channels that those memories every day I and he goes yeah. out of his way to avoid and that. to be a different kind of coach yeah. for this group. Um, one thing I wanted to chat about and we didn't get it. I meant to bring it up with Pablo and I, I didn't Chicho Arango has now scored eight goals and 15 appearances for RSL since the day he got here. He has talked about wanting to score his 100th professional goal with this club here. And he is one away now. Um, he got number 99 as a pro Sunday night at LAFC. So, in, and maybe strikers can do this, or maybe a team like ours in need of a star striker to kind of bear that burden. It's, I, I don't know, like if, if a goalkeeper was talking about shutouts, maybe it would be different, or different players talking about different milestones, and, and it, Kind of everybody talking about all we're worried about is the ninety minutes at home Saturday mm -hmm. against yep. Kansas City. We gotta, we gotta reward our fans. We gotta get our home record and our home confidence up, and all these things. But like for Chicho to basically put that target out there publicly and talk about it, you know, he got here what June tenth. He played his first game July eighth. He's been talking about it for several months. I'm just so impressed that the mental strength and fortitude it takes to kind of put that out there, maybe in some ways even put a target on your back and deliver. And old, he did yeah. that Sunday night at the at his old home with the captain's yeah. armband on. It was just really, really cool moment for him. And I guess he's kind of the bellwether of the mentality maybe going forward that we need to accomplish all these things in the playoffs um, on our way. Great coaches, any sport, any level. Youth, high school, college, pro, pick your sport, soccer, football, baseball, basketball, I don't care, track and field, lacrosse, possibly uh, badminton, I don't know. <laughs> Tiddlywinks is the one that Jason Christ used to always use. Go Tiddlywinks. Yeah. Yeah. When do you pat someone on the back? When do you kick them in the butt? Mm. And every player should know what motivates them. Yeah. Some guys are super quiet and need to be out of the spotlight. Some guys need to put it all on themselves to get themselves going. So be true to yourself. Know who you are. Know what works for you. I guess the only comp – when you said that, the only comp I could think of right away was Justin Glad saying, I want to score five goals this year. That's a lot for a center back. He gets his five. He gets it with, uh, what, four games left in the season. He got it in 30 games. He didn't need all 34. I told him now he needs to get five in the playoffs he, this year. He laughed. He knew yeah. that was ridiculous. <laughs> but I do think – Is it, though? I do think <laughs> – I do think that him getting a sixth goal should be on the table and him scoring once or twice in the playoffs should be on the table. And you're looking at veteran guys who, depending on the, the moment and the game, are going to wear the captain's armband and – they need to put it on themselves to get to that level of production. Chicho's going to get to 100. Justin got to five. Now, that doesn't mean that Brody should say it. Maybe right. he's wired different. Sure. He plays a different position. You know, I mean, Justin knows as a center back and as one of the taller guys on the team, set pieces, his responsibility. There's got to be a certain level of competence there. There have to be a certain number of goals there. So in that situation, he's got to rise up like a salmon <laughs> and make the difference.
is there any part of you, you've been around this team quite a bit, it's still early in the week, is there any part of you that is worried about any kind of a letdown against Kansas City? I think this is where it works in their – yes, sure, because of sports and anything possible. can happen, right? Yeah. But I do think that this is where it works to RSL's advantage that they've been so bad at home. Go back to what I said earlier about the law of numbers yeah. and the whole thing. And also, everyone's on notice, right? Everyone's on notice. We haven't been good enough at home. Nobody argues it. If somebody says it to them, they're like, yeah, we haven't been good enough at home. Yeah. Nobody's going to argue it. So I think that leads to a better performance. I think when they've lost at home, there's been a little bit of, we've got our best lineup. We're at home at elevation. These guys are bad on the road. This will be fine. Yeah. When the team's been its best, chip on the shoulder. We don't have all our guys. Yep. Whoever isn't here, I'm, I'm mad they got that red card. I'm mad they didn't make this trip. I don't like you, whatever. And there's so many players who think, I should have a bigger role in this team. I'm going to show coach right now. I'm going to show the front office right now. I deserve a better contract. I deserve more starts. I deserve whatever. And it's brought out the best in so many players. And I think right now, everyone in the locker room is like, we haven't been good at home. We got to second place. We can't give it away again. We got to bring it. And I think a lot of the Kansas City rivalry, in my mind, has dissipated. The guys at the core of it, yeah. of the preseason brawl yep. and whatever it Espinosa is. Espinosa is still Beckerman. there, but not Filehaber. What, what lingers, CJ though, Sapong. is that RSL bounced them from the playoffs two years ago and got the last second goal to get in the playoffs. Sure. And Kansas City twice got beat twice at home at the end of a year where they had high hopes and it was a disappointment. Mm. So maybe there's a little juice from that. But I think the most juice is that RSL knows they haven't been good enough at home and they got to be better. And they're fighting for home field advantage in the playoffs. But if you're going to be terrible at home, what's the point Why? of having a home field advantage? Yeah. Yeah. Right? So I think all of that brings out the best in the team in this weekend and they find a way to get it done. And so um, I would expect three points this weekend, but I have expected three points in other games and it hasn't sure. happened. No, I, I think, you know, and some of that pain is still very recent, right? You're still maybe bitter about the, the Open Cup semi. Houston came in here and kicked our butts three days later. Yeah. I think that, you know, giving up a one nothing halftime lead to Dallas and losing 3-1 in that game was maybe that's one you look back and that really ended up serving some notice because that was just a weird second half where all of a sudden the guys were not fighting for the guy next to him. And, it's a uh, bad performance. And it's the kind of thing that and I it think, even may yeah. have lingered into the first half against Vancouver. They righted the ship. Um, and and then, then they play one of the best games. And then you go to LA. Yeah. And maybe you shouldn't look ahead of the next 90 minutes. But. I do think that the slump took on a life of its own. That Well, the first thing is, I told you earlier, I, MLS is such a long season, mm -hmm. you can't play – at an A-plus level the entire season. Right. You can't do it. You really, all sports seasons have gotten so long, nobody can do it. So the question is, how do you maximize your hot streaks and stay on the mountaintop for as long as possible? Mm. Because everybody has a hot streak. Well, and look, I would say they did that, right? Because from April 8th to August 8th, 120 days, they lost three out of 24 games. So that is maximizing that is a hot remarkable. streak. That is remarkable. And how often but, in MLS do you see more than that? Yeah. Right? So also, but first cousin to that is minimize the slumps, minimize the time you spend in the Valley. Now, the slump they had wasn't entirely a slump. Pablo has said before, we're a good team. How does RSL become very good or a great team? When they lost in League's Cup, yep. I thought they played four teams that are 
at minimum good. I mean, Seattle's been terrible in Utah for many years for whatever reason. They just But he had also mm-hmm. said that three nothing over Seattle was probably our best it performance. Was. RSL played great yeah. and you know, RSL brought an A plus game, Seattle brought a C plus B minus yep. game, and yep. so you get three nil. But when you look at the teams they played, they played for high end teams. Yep. And they went two and two. Seattle, Monterey, Leon, LAFC. Yep. And I remember Pablo talking going into that LAFC game like, okay, we've tested ourselves a little bit. Monterey was a good for performance, bad result. Leon, maybe not as great a performance, but we got a good result. Uh, Seattle, maybe the most comprehensive win we had had at that point in the season. LAFC, you lose Pablo nine minutes in. Was that game 0-0 at halftime? Or was it 1-0? And then I know Glad had you know got his pocket picked right at yeah. the beginning of the second half, so you're down two nothing. Um, those were tests that we had talked about. Like, are we as good as we think we are? Well, let's find out. To your point, you go two and two. Then you're trying to figure out how to play without Pablo. Game gets moved to a hurric- out due to a hurricane. You have to go into the open cup, kind of cold. You get you are one one through 106 minutes. Yep. And then it falls apart. Um, Houston's it's, great at home. It's the Houston and Dallas losses in Utah yep. that really stick out like a sore thumb. Those are the ones that stick out. And losing the semis was a massive disappointment. Everyone wanted to host Messi in a final. It would have been a lucrative game for the club. Super lucrative. It was super disappointing. But also, if you look at Houston at home, they barely dropped any points at home. And they'd already dropped points to RSL once. Yeah. RSL went in there and I think it was a scoreless draw. It was early yeah. in the year. Yeah. And so are you going to go back there a second time? Seems unlikely. So it's kind of funny because as we look ahead to the playoffs where the home form has not been as it has been for the last decade, the road form is the best it's been in a decade, but you're fighting for a two or three seed that gives you some extra home field advantage. Maybe you do see Houston – Portland's red hot, right? They're unbeaten in seven since Miles Joseph took over. Um, I mean, playoffs are playoffs, but I feel like we're well-tested, right? Because we won five straight elimination games prior to the Open Cup. Sorry, the League's Cup loss at LA. Then you lose at Open Cup, but you've maybe, with this past weekend's one nothing at LAFC, maybe exercised those demons a little bit, even though it wasn't an elimination game. Certainly everybody's mentality is different than it was uh, on August 8th. It's going to be a fun ride. Just, I think the key is uh, you can go big picture on the three games, but teams aren't good at it. I think really it's like every game needs to be a playoff game. This game is everything. The last home game is everything. Get three points, worry about everything else later. Pretend you have the flu. The only thing that matters is what is right in front of you right now. And then when you get to LA, there'll be a lot more info about how many points you need to get to second. Yeah. I don't think people should talk about finishing third. I think the bar needs to go up. Second, need yeah. to talk about finishing second. Get another home game. Make sure that three good teams go to the other side. Three of the top five teams yeah. go to the other side of the bracket. Yeah. I guess for me, I only talk about third in that with the playoff format, second and third seed are pretty interchangeable to me. You're avoiding St. Louis in the in the second round. That's it. But they are all one offs after that FIFA break, assuming and I am, that we win our first-round series. And hopefully that maybe only goes two games and not three. But then you're going to get a two-week break, and we've not done well with extended breaks. We have been a team of momentum. And when we did only lose three out of 24 games, we had 10 
three game weeks out of thirteen at that point. So uh, it's going to be it's going to be very odd. I think the timing and the rhythm of the potential momentum that we have you can look coming at, out of decision day, and you can look at that as a real negative. But I think the positive to that is there are key players who have a lot of minutes on their legs, and whatever time you can get for Brody, whatever time you can get for Glad, those guys have played. Yeah. A fr- I don't even know what Glad is at now. Glad's it's at thirty five hundred. Thirty five hundred minutes. Yeah, man. So whatever. And, and time look, off- and he had a downturn, but he definitely looked good against LAFC. He looks fresher. Brody looks fresher. Um, you got to get Jasper healthy. Ameka has shown he can contribute. Oviedo's had a long spell. Uh, Hidalgo is ready to you know be part of that uh, transition. And then on the outside between Luna Gomez. Chang, Saverino, then up top, Chicho, Sava, I liked him up there. Uh, Rubin, uh, certainly Masofsky now back in the mix. Like Pablo's got a lot of options to to ride through. And, you know, Ojeda and Palacio, I think, are young enough, as are Gomez and Luna, that they can go 90 and even 120 if they have to uh, without much drop in quality. So. Yeah. Exciting times. That's it. Thanks, DJ, for hanging out with us today. Anytime. And this week, uh, we look forward to hearing you on the call. We look forward to hearing you on 97.5 The Zone, also 1280 The Zone, um, as well as uh, seeing you on Thursday nights with Dunny on Talking Real and the rest of the week on KUTV. So uh, that's it for today's episode, Bleeding Claret and Cobalt. Let us know what you think on the socials, at Claret Cobalt on Twitter and Instagram, anchor.fm slash Claret and Cobalt. Hit that message function, or you can email us the old-fashioned way, R-S-L-T-R-E-Y at Gmail. For Ryan Hale, the super producer for Adam Sessions and One Wire Fiber, this is Trey Fitzgerald signing off. Download, share, subscribe, and let us know what you think right here. Bleeding, Claret and Cobalt brought to you by One Wire Fiber.